Welcome to A Thriving Catholic Podcast, a show that's dedicated to helping Catholics live the extraordinary and abundant lives we were made for. I'm your host, Jessica Castillo. I'm a Catholic life and health coach, and it's my mission to bring you the best practices of body, mind, and soul each week and help you apply them in your daily life so that you can truly thrive. Well, hey, friends, and welcome back to A Thriving Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Castillo. And if you are looking for more out of your life, if you are looking for more energy, maybe you're looking for answers to persistent health challenges that you've been dealing with, maybe you're just looking for hope. I really think that this interview today with my special guest, Rita Johnson, is going to be so helpful for you. So without further ado, I would love to introduce from Divine Mercy Nutritional Care, Rita Johnson. Welcome to the show, Rita. Thank you, Jessica. So Rita, I've been familiar with your work for a little while now, but for anyone listening to the show who doesn't know what you do, can you just give a little description of um, the kind of uh, solutions and help that you offer at Divine Mercy Nutritional Care? Yes. Um, so Divine Mercy Nutritional Care is my business. It's a functional medicine nutrition practice that I run. Um, and I work a lot with women, um, not specifically just of reproductive age, but because we do incorporate a lot of charting into what we're seeing. Um, I love to have, you know, charting women, whether they're um, starting to chart along with their health journey or whether they're adding that in along the way, um, because it's such a good measurement of what else is going on in our body. And, um, that objective measurement, right? Like we see progress or we don't. Um, so that's a little bit about how, how I help women in that way is really through, um, the nutrition changes through mindset, lifestyle changes. Um, you know, sometimes it's a whole lot of big changes, um, overhauling, doing a big like gut healing protocol. And sometimes it's a lot of like, how do we get from standard American diet to, um, a more nourishing traditions kind of eating, um, that's just more, you know, back to our ancestors eating <laughs> or, um, you know, nutrient dense foods is what I say a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. I use a lot of the same language too, because, you know, I was just having a conversation actually with my six-year-old today in her homeschool co-op, they were learning about healthy food and not healthy food today. And it was funny because she was telling me that they were sorting food into good food and bad food. And of course, for me, I'm like, food is morally neutral. <laughs> um, I think that was Fun. As we talk about like nutrient density and that different foods do different things in the body. So, okay, you mentioned charting. And now for people who are listening, who are really familiar with natural family planning, they're like, oh yeah, charting. But can you talk a little bit about what, what is charting for people who might not have heard that referred to before? Yeah, for sure. Um, so charting is um, is now known as the fifth vital sign. Um, and so this is really looking at, you know, observations that our bodies have from day in and day out. Sometimes it's looking at um, external surf cervical mucus observations, just when going to the bathroom. Sometimes it's looking at your basal body temperature. Um, there's a, you know, conglomerate of different things. You can even do things like um, urine sticks that are just measuring your um, different hormones that are cycling throughout the month for us women. Um, but it's really just allowing for us to see what is going on with your health and fertility, right? I, I, 
give a talk where I kind of talk about like your monthly cycle as if it, there's like this red curtain. And every time we talk about our cycles, we talk about our period and how many days we had our period. Uh, but that's really not the action part of our cycle. Um, and it feels a lot of times as if there's like a black curtain drawn for most of the cycle. But the reality is we need to pull open that black curtain and kind of see what else is going on. Um, regardless of if you're trying to conceive or not, if you're having a healthy ovulation or not, that's critically important to know as we're pursuing how can we optimize your health. Um, hormones are oftentimes, I, I talk about them as low hanging fruit, right? If something else is, if there's dysfunction somewhere else, then we're not going to be making appropriate sex hormones. We're not going to be having good quality ovulation. Our body's not thinking about, you know, procreating, um, continuing the species if something else has dysfunction further up in that system. So so really that's why charting is so helpful because we can then really see what else is going on in the body um, and, you know, get a good gauge of it through that lens. Yeah. And I love what you're seeing too, about how you don't have to be trying to conceive or even trying to avoid conception. Like you might be single, you might not be in uh, trying to have a child at all. You might be even a young teenager just starting your cycle, but just knowing what's going on by measuring those vital signs or the vital signs of your, of your hormonal fluctuations. Um, that can be super important because a lot of times what the sort of things I'm sure that you deal with and that I deal with with my clients are, you know, they just have really low energy or their hair is falling out or it, and it can be things that they don't even think about their, their menstrual cycle. They're just like, I just feel really bad all the time. Something's going on. And oh, by the way, my cycle is also really wonky. And so that can kind of just be like that indicator of, hey, maybe there's a deeper issue going on if your cycle is wonky and you're having trouble with your energy or you're having joint pain or you're having brain fog, you're having all of these, there's so many symptoms, right? That come from the one root cause, basically of a hormonal imbalance. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So when, so when a client comes to you and they are dealing with some of these problems, maybe they're familiar with charting and maybe they're not, what do you, what is the first thing that you would do? Yeah. So, um, when I'm working with somebody, I first, I always have a long session that we're really kind of diving deep into what else is going on. Um, because we can have right, like a short conversation and they can tell me their primary symptoms. And I generally have a pretty good idea of what some next steps would be. Um, but when we have that opportunity to really go deep into what they're eating, how they're feeling, how they're sleeping, how they're pooping, right? Like these things are really important, but I need to find follow them for like three days. So I have them fill out a journal. I have them do a really robust questionnaire that gets into a lot of the nitty gritty, right? Like you were saying, Jessica, the things that we oftentimes don't even realize are symptoms of something else that's going on. Um, so for example, like if, if I was, um, trying to dive into like some type of dysfunction with like what organs specifically need some additional support. When I look at that questionnaire, it will ask questions of things like, you know, do, um, do you flush easily if you were to drink wine or are you easily hung over the next day? Even if you just have a little bit, um, do you have pain on your right shoulder blade after digesting 
food, um, you know, just different things that, again, we don't always realize are like drawing us deeper, but those are all signs of liver gallbladder dysfunction, right? So then we know, okay, we need to kind of look at how we can support your body functionally through that. Um, and then that may also help support other things that are going on with you. Um, so then we also do in that first long session, we do a health history. So we're really kind of walking through what was your life like as a young child? What was your diet like then? What, um, you know, what things and big stressors and traumatic events and things that have really shaped your health and where you are now. Um, and one of my favorite questions to ask people is when was the last time you felt good? Um, and that sometimes is a really difficult question for people to answer, especially if they're in their forties or fifties or sixties and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. And and when they say that they felt good, they're like, but did I really feel good or did I, was I just mentally at a good place? Um, and that's it. That's sometimes a really tricky question to answer, but it's important because we really have to dive into this holistically, right? The mind, body, soul, like this is so important. We can't just support your body without looking at what's, what's going on in your mind. Like, are you thinking you're always sick? You're always going to be sick um, in your soul. Are you dealing with some spiritual trauma that's been unresolved, right? These things are going to keep us stuck and where we are right now with our overall physical health. So definitely critically important and a big piece of that initial long, long session. I think it's so interesting too. A lot of people don't even realize how these either past traumatic experiences or events, or like you mentioned, undealt with trauma. And even as Catholics, we know like unresolved sin or areas of serious sin in your life. And it's not typical to hear a lot of people that are dealing with nutrition and holistic health talk about, well, do you need to go to confession or something? But these things really do affect everything because we really can't parse out from the human person. You know, here's your body and here's your soul and they're separate. Like we are one integrated being. So we have to deal with all of these areas. Um, And, you know, the cool thing, like you were saying about functional medicine is that everything is connected. And when we realize that everything is connected, we realize too, that we, when we treat a person, we can't just treat this one symptom and like, now we're going to stop a bandaid on it and fix it. So, you know, once you've kind of done this initial, like big long session, you've seen the health history, you know, kind of what's going on. Um, what are some of the standard, uh, like protocols that you would recommend for your clients with, I mean, that are kind of universally applicable, I think that would help anyone listening if they're, if they're concerned about any of these things. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I might have to think on this a minute, Jessica, because there are things we see again and again. Um, and they're, they're very similar to things I've heard you speak about too. Um, you know, things that we know, or we're, we see a lot, especially with women, right. That we tend to kind of struggle with and like, okay, let's, you know, let's get serious about these things. And so what I would say, I kind of think of this in levels though, and knowing that everybody is so bio-individual, right. So, um, it's very, very unique from one person to the next, but in general, things that I see a lot, um, are definitely like sometimes the things that just seem too simple, right? Like drinking more water, (laughs) drinking enough water. Um, but one that I think, you 
you know, and this is one again that I've seen or I've heard you talk about, um, is being sure that we're getting adequate protein. Um, I think that women just tend to really be lower on the end of protein. And if you're like, okay, I know I'd get enough protein. Well, how are you getting it? Like what time of day? Um, that's the other adjustment I would say to, to be really intentional about, like you really need to get the bulk of your protein early in the day. And that can be really hard. So, um, I like to kind of parse this out as like, if your intention right now is just to maintain, if you're not looking at building muscle mass or losing weight, um, then going for about three fourths of your body weight in grams of protein a day. And that's a lot, right? That is so much protein. Um, so really being sure then if you're like, yep, I am getting it, which kudos to you if you are, um, then work on getting that between breakfast, lunch, and snacks. Um, dinner, you can still have some protein, but that really is more beneficial to eat more carb heavy at that time. So that's when we can grab our, you know, starchy root vegetables and that kind of thing. And that can be really supportive. Um, Another thing that I see is when we have um, our blood sugars constantly dysregulated. So sometimes we have labs that reinforce this, right? We might see on a lab that we have insulin resistance, um, but sometimes it's before that point even, but we just don't feel well, right? We get hangry a lot. We get jittery if a meal is delayed. Um, this is a sign that your blood sugar is dysregulated. Also, if you're waking up a lot at night, um, especially if you wake up and your mind's kind of racing. That's a sign that your blood sugar is dysregulated. So the first step I usually say with this, people always think like, okay, I'm going to start fasting then, right? Like this is how I'm going to support my blood sugar. But that actually would be the opposite of what I would recommend to somebody whose blood sugar is dysregulated. I really like to stair step people into that. So I would say first focus on every three or four hours, eating like a protein, fat, dense snack every three or four hours, just so we're like stabilizing your blood sugar levels. Look at eliminating things like sugar, highly processed um, foods, you know, whether that's sweet treats or whatever. Um, and you can think of it as like, how can I try to get creative? How can I make some swaps? How can I use, like make a baked good that is like paleo. So it has almond flour and some nutritional value. Usually that has a good um, amount of protein in it too, instead of just this, you know, random cookie that I grab somewhere that has a lot of sugar. That's just spiking my blood sugar level and causing this, um, what, what is the beginning stages of insulin resistance to start happening. Um, the other thing that's really helpful with that. So, um, in regards to blood sugar regulation is to try to eat more non-starchy veggies. So, um, again, I try to stair step people into this, right? Like let's eat a several cups a day of non-starchy veggies. And if that's working well, then try to eat a couple cups at each meal, which usually gets really tricky. Um, so, you know, just taking these little steps is going to be really beneficial. Um, but the other thing too, and, and this is just going back to what you say to Jessica, um, get some movement in, get some really good movement, try to increase your muscle mass. Um, that's going to be really beneficial. You know, when we're in our thirties, we start to lose muscle mass. We have to be really intentional about regaining this and not just for like right now. So I can wear those jeans that I really want to wear that are hanging in my closet, looking at me. But so that 20, 30 years from now, we can be strong. We can play with grandbabies, right? It's going to be much more difficult to maintain muscle mass if we're not continuing to build it and preserve it right now. Um, and right now I say I'm looking at 40, <laughs> um, but you're not all there, but just knowing that we need to be intentional about this. And I think that 
this is something um, for me personally in my in my twenties, I had less muscle mass than I do now, and that was just because I wasn't cultivating it. And now it's a lot easier for me to get on the floor and play with my kids. I was playing puppy with my toddler last night, right? Like, she, and she like has to ride the puppy, like, but I can do that, and my back doesn't hurt because I've been able to work on being intentional about increasing my muscle mass and my strength. And you know what you're saying too, which I think for a lot of women, they have this misconception, especially when it comes to strength training, that they're going to get big bulky muscles and they don't want that. Um, but honestly, like I tell my clients all the time, unless you're actually doing a very specific lifting regimen and a specific diet, like bodybuilders work really hard to get muscles like that, it will not just happen for you. You will most likely just um, have very good muscle tone and definition, and you'll be strong. You'll just, you'll be able to carry those heavy bags of groceries. You'll be able to pick up your child. You'll be able to do the things that really you, that just, you can be moving through your days without pain and with a lot of energy. And I also really love what you're talking about too, with just making healthy swaps. Um, And this is something I think about a lot with my clients, because when we first start talking to someone and they're thinking, oh, I feel really tired. I feel kind of bad. I know that I could feel better and that I quote unquote should eat healthier and I should move more and like all of these, you know, it's kind of a lot of guilt and shame surrounding it. But there's also that resistance that comes up when we're thinking about making these changes. And that resistance is like, but then life is going to be no fun. And then I can't eat the food that I want to eat. And then I have to do boring, hard workouts that I don't enjoy. And so really, I think what you're talking about is, well, we want to make, we want to make the healthier choices, not just be good, not just choose what is good, but that it feels good as well. You know, and so this is kind of, and I heard, um, I was listening to a talk, I think on Formed the other day, where the the presenter was talking about, you know, how you're, you're always either moving towards virtue or towards vice. You're never really, like, we're never really stagnant in between. And I think that a lot of people don't really think about this when it comes to their bodily health, their physical health. But if you think about it in terms of anything that you're doing with your body is either moving you towards greater health or to like worse health. And so if you think about which direction you're moving, you don't have to be constantly moving towards optimal health, but the more frequently your car is turning in that direction and you're driving towards better health, like the better not only will you feel, but then you will have that more energy, that more strength, and you can make these choices of, okay, I'm going to choose this more nutrient-dense food because it's going to nourish my body. It's going to move me towards greater health, but how can I also make this delicious? How can I make this itself a really enjoyable experience? So yeah, I think bringing back that joy into as much of what we're doing as possible really kind of can take the the wind out of the sails, I guess, of the argument that it's no fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And I think, um, you know, even there's, there's so many ways we can, we can think of it and whatever like your motivation is right. When we kind of going back to like, okay, I don't have much energy or I don't have, I just don't feel good. I don't know what's going on. I think as we get deeper down this road of 
noticing foods that nourish and sustain and make me feel really good and foods that don't, um, it's, it's a constant evolution. <laughs> it's a constant journey, right? We'll never just arrive at the destination, just like our holiness. We're never just going to, Oh, I'm holy. I'm good. I don't need to like sit and pray anymore. Like this, it's always going to be a journey on this earth. And so really seeing the, the physical health piece as integral to that, um, you know, whether it is like pursuing virtue or pursuing holiness. Um, for me personally, I even see that within my business, right? I don't know about you, Jessica, but like when I'm fueling my body, right, when I'm fueling my soul, right, with my prayer time, then I notice corresponding business growth. And yet when I'm not, I also notice the opposite, right? But it makes perfect sense. Like if I stay up on a Tuesday night and have some glasses of wine with my husband, I'm not going to be able to get up at 6am the next day and crank out some really good work while the house is quiet and my people are asleep before we start the homeschool day, right? It just makes perfect sense. But yet so often we don't stop and think of it in these terms. And so a hundred percent, like, I think we need to really remember that the way that we're treating our body is practicing that virtue and it can be fun. Right. You don't have to do a silly workout that you don't like because there's billions of different kinds of working out and you're going to find something that you really enjoy and that fills you. Right. Maybe it's a social workout. I was just talking to my husband about this the other day. I'm so extroverted and social. And when I go to like a social workout class, I am just like lit up for the rest of the day. And yet usually I work out in my basement by myself and that's fine because it's a 20 minute workout. I don't have to drive to the gym. I don't lose extra time in that way. But when I go with other people, it's like, it's a whole nother level of helping support me. And the other thing I want to say too, when you were talking about muscle mass is this doesn't just happen, ladies. Like you don't just wake up and you're like, Oh, I'm too big. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Overnight. (laughs) That would be kind of nice, but like, it's, it's just not going to happen. And the older we get, the less likely that is that we're going to notice like super quick responses to our muscles. And that's okay. It's going to be this really gradual where all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, I can see my triceps when my arm is resting, right? Like it's just those little nuances. And then you're like, okay, I like this. I don't like that. I'm not going to do any more of those overhead lifts and have some big traps or whatever it is you don't want. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't just all of a sudden magically appear too. Yeah. And, you know, I love what you're saying about how there are so many different workouts you could choose from. And it's funny you mentioned working out alone in your basement because I also have a workout area alone in my basement, but I don't, I noticed over the last few months that I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't bringing me joy. So I ended up moving all my workout stuff to my guest room that has a big like glass door that I can open onto a balcony so that I can get some sunshine and some morning light in there because yeah, I couldn't work out alone in a dark basement. It wasn't doing it for my husband can go down there and work out, but I couldn't. So we have to kind of know ourselves and know what works for us. And as we pay attention to those things, like, man, I feel really lit up when I went for a walk outside in nature. It felt so good where it's like, okay, that's something that you should try to incorporate more of into your life. Um, and I do really love this idea of let's bring in more of what is good And some of those less than desirable or less healthy habits, they can kind of get crowded out. And so we don't have to maybe turn our attention and focus so much on them. We can just try to bring in more of the good stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. It's, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the, I can't have, I can't have, mm-hmm. I have several foods that when I eat them, they just light me up in not a good way. Like I do not feel good. So I have to be really intentional about avoiding them, but I don't focus on that anymore because I just know that that's not nourishing to my body. That doesn't make me feel good. And so it's much easier to focus on how could I make this better? Right. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. I, I don't eat dairy. So if I'm going out to like Mexico, I'm like, okay, well, I could get some avocado or some guacamole and that's going to make it feel better. Right. So it's just that shifting that focus on what oh, we yeah. can Yeah. And a lot of that is mindset too. You know, like we can choose to be really grateful for every food that we are able to eat. And I, I really find that when we are able to focus on, you know, the beauty of our food, the colors, the smells, like the the sensory pleasure that we can get from really good food, um, that really does help with that feeling of deprivation that so many people, that's the main reason they struggle with continuous healthy eating is because they are afraid that they're going to feel so deprived that they won't be able to stick with it anyway, or maybe they've done really strict deprivation diets in the past that didn't work out for them. And so then they think, well, I've already tried that. I'm never going to do that again. It's like, okay, but let's see how, because like you said, this is a long, life is long in theory, like God willing, God willing, you will live a long life. And just like our growth and holiness, it doesn't, it's not like, well, now I've arrived and I rest on my laurels. We will actually be taking care of these bodies until the day we die. And so that means that until the day we die, we're going to be constantly kind of having this, uh, this struggle of like this ebb and flow of like, how do we properly nourish and maintain the bodies that God has given us that we're blessed to have? Even if they're not perfect, even if there's things that we wish were different, and that's okay, we can still be grateful for the bodies that we have and know that it's a constant, it'll be until the day we die. It won't just be like, and now you're healthy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, you know, one other thing that's really important to be mindful of too, if you feel really stuck, like if you feel like you've been making a lot of the healthy changes and it's still like your energy is still really struggling, or you just need like to kind of go deeper. Um, one other thing, and this kind of goes back to, um, when we were first talking about how I first start working with someone, um, is that we may need to like get more data, right? We may need to look at like what's going on in your gut microbiome. Like what else is at play here that could be a contributing factor? So, you know, doing something like a GI stool map is something that I do in my practice. Um, I always like to run that side by side with like a food sensitivity panel. Um, And I just want to talk on this real quick and then I'll tell you how you can find me because I think this is really important and something that we oftentimes don't look at or we know we need something like more help, but we don't know where to get it. And I I share this because that was my journey and that's why I now do what I do. Um, But so as we look at the gut as a garden, you know, sometimes we can, we can crowd things out and notice a lot of benefit, right? So when I say crowd things out, I'm thinking of things like a probiotic, right? We're adding more flowers to the gut garden. But if there are weeds there that are highly inflammatory or things that we need to uproot and kill off, we oftentimes need to know what we're dealing with. And so that's where like a stool test is really helpful because it allows for us to identify some of those different weeds and different things that are going on. Um, And then we need to reduce inflammation, right? We do, um, I do short protocols where it's about 12 week long healing protocols 
So we're looking at how can we reduce inflammation um, through what we're addressing on the GI map, but also through food sources. And this is a temporary measure. That's why I do the food sensitivity panel at the same time. So we can reduce all of those things, kill off what we need to kill off, um, repopulate. So really adding back those good flora um, and then moving on from there. So I just want you to know that if you feel really stuck or frustrated, or if you're listening to Jessica and I talk and you're like, this is so great. I've tried that. It's still, I'm still kind of stuck. Like there are other options that we can really kind of dive deeper and help support you in. So um, to find me, I am on socials at Divine Mercy Nutritional Care, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, and I just started a brand new podcast called Health and Hormones. Um, so find me over on wherever you get your podcast channels. And then my website is naturalfertilitycare.org. Um, I'll send all those links to Jessica because I know it's a lot of different names. <laughs> um, but you can go online and schedule a free discovery call with me through my website or linked up through any of the socials as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rita, for sharing all of that. I'm so glad you actually mentioned that about the gut microbiome because it's so important and so often overlooked. Um, so yeah, I will drop the links that Rita shares all in the show notes so you can find her that way. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. I really hope that you were able to get a lot out of it and that you are feeling like it's possible for you to have more energy, to have some answers to some questions that you might have about what's going on with your health and that there is more hope really that you can live this thriving, abundant life. If you want to connect with Rita, check the links in the show notes for this episode. Um, and if you wanted to connect with me, you can also find me in the show notes. Okay. Until next week, have a fantastic week and I'll be back with more content then. Bye for now.